0: Learning about tetariti and our history is about that journey of self and reflecting on self so that you can have that deep understanding of your place in it. So, as a, a member of a community organisation, whether you're Māori or not, it really is about understanding who you are. Your fucker papa, your history, in order to make sense of how you can contribute to the future.
1: Community Research Otago are bringing to you our new podcast channel, bringing community practitioners, researchers, and evaluators to you wherever you are. Our first series focuses on Te Tiriti o Waitangi and the way different practitioners apply the intent and principles in their respective mahi across kaupapa Māori research, education, climate change, homelessness and community development. This is Kei Marie Dunn and I look forward to opening up this dialogue and kōrero for your listening pleasure. Introducing Dr Chelsea Groupveld, a Kaupapa Māori evaluation practitioner who gives her insights of her understanding of te tiriti through her own upbringing, education and the application of principles in working in partnership
0: with communities. My mahi's evolved over the years. At the moment I'm the director of Aiko, which is my um, research company. Um, I've been consulting for seven years now um, and went out on my own because I wanted to pursue Kaupapa um, that resonated, that, that brought joy to, to me, that utilised all my skills. So, um, most of my mahi is in the public service, but also for iwi and community organisations. On the side, I do a bit of governance mahi as well, um, but all my mahi is kaupapa Māori focused, and, and because of that, tetiriti focused as well.
1: So what is your understanding of Te Tiriti o Waitangi and when did Te Tiriti actually become meaningful to you?
0: Oh, uh, well, that's evolved as I've evolved as a person. Um, I, I think my understanding of Te Tiriti is really about my understanding of self and, and who I am. So understanding Te Tiriti o Waitangi for me has been a journey of discovery of who I am, my whakapapa um My purpose um, My tūpuna So learning all of those things About who I am So I could make sense of Te Tiriti um, And the context Both past, present and future Um, And that's really been And I'm still on that journey. Um, You know, I was a child of the 80s where te reo Māori wasn't heard everywhere. There was no New Zealand history. Um, Kapahaka was kind of infused with Cook Island, Samoan. You know, everybody did kapahaka. It it was a different time to what we have now. Um, And it really, so I didn't really have a sense of te te in a tangible way but I think in the background you know as a kid you don't notice things but I started to become more conscious of oh things are different for whanau maori how come mm. or or you know I was I had dark skin you know still quite dark and some kids would say oh blackie or, or say things like that or call me nigger and I, I couldn't make sense of that what does that mean and so I started to develop subconsciously just this understanding oh there's this thing and I'm different because I'm Māori, but what does that mean? But then it wasn't really, I guess, through my secondary school years that it became tangible. And and I guess being Māori became something negative and it was negative because um, when I started college at Mana College, I was in the Māori class. There was a group of 33 of us. By the time I got to seventh form, there might have been five or six of us left. And I was the only one studying bursary. And that's not because I was the most cleverest. Some of the my classmates were just unbelievably clever and talented. But along the way, they had been weeded out by an education system that didn't value their knowledge. They were bored in school. And that's no disrespect to my Quite some brilliant teachers at Mana College. But it was a system that weeded these awesome kids out. And so you, when you're kind of left as the last man standing, you start to think, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. And so by the time I hit Te Waka, that was the first time I had been surrounded by a cohort of young, successful, confident, real-speaking Māori, and it blew my mind. I said, like, what is this place? Mm-hmm. And, and there I was nurtured about... You know, but I became politicised. Um, I learnt about Tetariti, te immersed by peers who lived and breathed Tetariti te who came from all corners of the country, and were real speaking. And and it just, I think it showed to me that it's not that I thought being Maori was negative, but those were the messages I had seen. But all of a sudden, it was like, wow. It's awesome to be Maori. You can be successful and be Maori, and we should celebrate that. But I also learnt about critical analysis and was just exposed to so many amazing thinkers like Dr Kathy Irwin, and Professor Wally Penetit or Professor Tudor Royal um, in education, and then also at Te Kawau Maori Peter Ads, Tanya Rangi Houia, Tiri Higgins, Higgins. Um, and then all of the reading that you're exposed to And so for the first time in my life I became quite politicised and, and had, I guess, the information And learnt about our history Learned about the T To actually take action So, you know, we, we were all on the um, fiscal envelope march And we were, you know, always protesting um, And I really thrived in that environment But, but I think it really helped sharpen my My critical skills, my critical analysis skills and thinking for the first time in my life. So from learning about uh,
1: Te Tiriti and being exposed to quite amazing exponents of te reo and mātauranga Māori, then you're moving into, you know, who are you and your
0: purpose in the world. So after you left university, what did you do? I went and worked for a bit, went to the Hillary Commission, my other passion of sport and high water, um, and then went over to Te Puni Kōkiri, um, and that was really, again, a, a formative time in my life where I was exposed to some phenomenal policy thinkers, and, and just thinkers in general, um, during that time, I think Dr. Ngātata Love was the chief executive. Wida had just finished his tenure. Uh, Dr. John Tamahori was there. Helen Lay, Pao How had all these amazing um, thinkers around me and was just exposed to, and I guess, you know, the inner workings of the crown. Mm -hmm. And and, um, the machinery of government And so linking what I'd learned What I'd experienced as a kid The theory that I'd learned at university um, Protest at university Through to being on the other side for the crown And learning how that worked And how to think and advocate And influence in that space So transitioned into that space Ended up in Japan teaching English Which was another um you know another part of our life um we got hapu i was fairly young 22 so in 2000 our boy was born we went over to japan again that helped me. I finished my master's while we were over there. And I think stepping away from Aotearoa also helped build my understanding and appreciation of Te and how lucky we were to have that. When you're living overseas for three years and you look back at home, you see, for example, the Ainu people in Japan, how they're largely invisible. You look at other countries and, and the state of indigenous peoples and you look at home, you're like, Haka. Things aren't so bad. I mean, yes, we've we've always got our challenges and battles, but, you know, there's a lot to celebrate. I mean, as Ranginui Walker always says, you know, ka pawhaitonu mātou a aki aki, that battle will never end. That's always there. But that really gave me appreciation and a hunger to return home and contribute.
1: So you went from university, uh, you spent time working inside the machinery of government. Then you decided, actually, I'm going to take the plunge and I'm going to, work for myself and actually develop my own company and apply some of these learnings in my own way. What was the thinking behind your decision to do that?
0: Again, a maturing of self that um, really it's, you know, I did the PhD along the way and that was always a journey, not just for me, but for my Fano, for my hapū, for my iwi to say we can do whatever we want actually and we can achieve to the highest levels if we want to. And that was also a ticket to, to consult, to to have some credibility in terms of qualifications, but also to do something with that. You know, there's no point in having a tohu if you're not gonna actively contribute and somehow support Māori development and Māori aspirations. So that was always kind of the the goal along the way. and also realising I wanted to work for myself and I wanted work-life balance. I think we're very good at burning out our Māori leaders and I knew I wanted to consult but I wanted to do it on my own terms. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky that my husband, we both privilege our health and well-being, so um, it's never mahi at all costs, it's always mahi and hau Water go hand in hand so you know running my own company gives me the flexibility to do that. Have you had to apply a tiriti
1: lens to your mahi as an evaluator and researcher? And can you give us some examples of how you've done that?
0: Yeah, always now. Um, and, and I think, you know, again, uh, when you're Māori, because of our whakapapa and who we are, we're politicised, whether we know it or not, we're politicised from the time we are born. So as a kaupapa Māori research and evaluation practitioner, you um, Te Tiriti is at the heart of what we do. It provides the critical questions that we need to ask because it is about asking questions around respect, trust, value for Māori, benefits for Māori, um, issues of partnerships and relationships, issues of engagement. So when I look at a kaupapa or I'm engaged to evaluate something and and determine its value the questions are always well what is the value for Māori and how do we know at what point were Māori engaged in the design and planning and development of this kaupapa and if they weren't how do you expect to achieve outcomes that are beneficial for Māori so it starts from the very beginning and that's what te Brings. It brings that framework, that lens for looking critically at access to power, resources, control and it's fundamental as I've grown as a practitioner, I've realised that it is at the heart of what we do because we're always trying to determine value for our people and benefits and work towards equitable allocation of resource power and control for our people. That's where we're heading. Tino ranga, mana motuhake, whatever you want to call it and evaluation is one of many tools to help us get there.
1: When you think about the way that you can influence change as an evaluator, and if Tiriti is at the core of your work, and you're asking quite critical questions, have you been able to influence not only the, the thinking of the partners that you've worked with, but have organisations actually paused and they've they've listened and they've said, actually, you're quite right, we haven't co-designed, we haven't thought about how we share resources, We haven't even uh, allocated enough resource to be able to do this mahi effectively. What has that been like?
0: I would say now we're in a context and an environment where there is more consciousness about that. And actually, I'm not the only one asking that, that people know that. It's it's more about the how, so what do we do about it? I feel like five years ago, when you raised those questions, they were quite uncomfortable conversations and people weren't ready to hear them. Now, people are ready to hear them, but don't know how to do anything about it. (laughs) Mm. So I feel there's been a transition. Um, But again, it depends on the... I guess the cultural literacy and awareness or titiriti literacy of the people that engage me or contract me and those people are often at different levels of understanding but I feel like now we're in an environment where it's not about the why are we doing this. We all know why. We don't need to read another research report or evaluation report that tells us about the disparities and equities for Māori. It's what are we going to do about it and how do we do that with Māori?
1: In your view, is there a link between justice... Restoration, evaluation
0: and to treaty and why. Absolutely. They're all one and the same. And and again the why comes back to learning about the history of our country and and the roots of how we got to where we are today. And that's inextricably linked to the injustices of the past. And so if we're gonna move forward, then we need restorative processes along the way to help us heal. Like I think, again, my understanding of the treaty is about my journey of self. And when you unpack there's a whole lot of trauma, you know, from way back, from our tipuna, um nor Maira nor from, from way back that needs to be unpacked and thought about. So it is about the injustices of the past, recognizing those, unpacking those in a productive way. So you don't stay in a state of um tepore or being podi and angry. We actually need to move forward and be future thinking as well. But in order to do that, you have to go back to the past and look at that and learn and and I do very much feel like I'm still learning mm. um, and growing and, and as I do that my analysis and application of Te Tiriti grows alongside me. How do you work with
1: organisations that might not be as culturally literate or Te tiriti literate but they have an intention They want to do better
0: And I think that's always a start point for me Is when a person Is tikka and pono um, And and open To what they don't know Then that's a great starting point For me and that's a person I want to work with If a person um, says they want to do things But the The behaviours and actions don't quite match Then that's probably a contract I'd walk away from Mm. (laughs) So I'm at a stage in my career Where I will work with people who I deem and judge and, And I will talk to others I know they are tika impono in their intent Because I don't have time to muck around with people who aren't Because there's so many people who do have good intent and, and want to do better and our mokupuna don't have time for us to muck around mm. um, you know now I'm in my mid-40s it's like not that the, the clock is ticking down but I feel like I can be more purposeful in who I approach and who I want to work with and, and that's a cool place to be That seems to
1: have come across perhaps due to your confidence and your growth in your own personal journey and you've been in business now seven years so you can choose you can discern who you want to work with and that's quite a, a privileged position to be in for you have you got any examples um, that you can share about Tetriti in its dynamic form and in particular how a group that may have worked with you kind of started somewhere and then after working with you and getting this feedback and insight into the way that they were approaching things shifted and changed what they were doing
0: yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure they won't mind me talking about this. Recently, I finished a project for ACC, and it was a research project with uh, Māori motorcycle riders. So, of course, well not of course, but um, sadly, Māori are overrepresented in some of the statistics around injuries related to motorcycle incidents, and there's been very little research directly with Māori. So, I think this is one of the first pieces of copa Māori research with Māori motorcycle riders. So, um. It, you know they were open in their intent um, from the beginning, um, but along the way, again, um, were really supportive. Um, I got to go out into communities, they supported my whole research approach, Um, got to meet with Māori motorcycle riders in Ruturua, oh sorry, Ruitoria, Gisborne, the far north, um, Invercargill, Um, and then it's always about that, how do you uh, give voice to what these people have told you in a real tikka and pono way. So um, we presented our findings back to ACC around what these motorcycle riders had told us And we engaged, I think, in two wānanga with them, and we had some of their most senior managers attend. So one, that told me, you know, they actually value this. But um, secondly, they developed an action plan as a result of our research. So um, for me, that showed real integrity on their behalf, that They were actually listening to what we had told them um, and were going to use these findings to improve their work in a real tangible way. And we were able to contact all of the research participants, uh, send them a copy of the recommendations, and also the action plan that ACC had developed so that work will continue and flow onto another piece of work. But at the heart of that was really about ACC building stronger relationships in communities with Māori motorcycle riders, about listening to them and the planning and designing of kaupapa Māori-focused comms, programs, promotions. So. Um, They were open um, and I wouldn't say we had to push, we just walked alongside them the whole way. But when you have senior managers attend who have power and influence and they are listening and they are at the table, for us that was really reassuring that, oh actually this is making a difference and they're listening and we can report back to participants with integrity and thank them for not only um, making time for us but actually this is resulting in something tangible and we got some good feedback from participants who are really thankful that one we let them know what had happened as a result of our conversation but two that ACC were doing something with it so big ups to ACC um, with that particular project because sometimes it's yeah it's quite hard to attribute our work to tangible change. Yeah I mean
1: that sounds, um, it links up with the the principles of partnership and again co-design um, power sharing yeah. um, the use of influence and then also um, equity. Yes. Eh? Enabling equity and enabling um, shifts and changes. So hey biggie ups to you ACC <laughs> for taking on this uh, particular approach in Listening carefully and then putting into action, uh, but also going an extra step by including uh, those that are researched actually to be part of the future and the decision making of the organisation, which I think is amazing. Why do you think to and an understanding of this is important for the community and voluntary sector to know about? I think
0: it's fundamental. Um, it's a fundamental part of being a citizen of Aotearoa. Um, one, uh, two. A, a, again, learning about Tiriti te te and our history um, is about that journey of self and reflecting on self, so that you can have that deep understanding of who you are your place in it, so as a, a member of a community organisation whether you're Māori or not it really is about understanding who you are, your whakapapa your history, in order to make sense of how you can contribute to the future and what your legacy might be, so I feel like it's a it's it's a, a platform for us all it's not just for Māori, it's for non-Māori um, and, and, and something that we should all be proud of, that Way back in 1840, there was this amazing contract between two groups of people that was fundamentally about respect and trust, and that we need to reclaim that.
1: Kia ora, Kia ora it's a really important point. Ihuamahu uh, e listening, you know how might we help uh, foster trust and connection and deep listening and? Hey, debate and discussion as well Because that's all part of the relationship (laughs) We love a good
0: debate (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, they say it's
1: a marriage A marriage of cultures And I always remember uh, Dr Ranginui Walker saying that The transformation of Aotearoa will not happen in the beehive It will actually happen in the bedroom Um, And I understand that very well In regards to how shifts and changes between cultures Have happened over time I think you raised a really interesting point there That five, seven, ten years ago the conversations that we're having now about Triti and uh, cultural competency was still quite new and one term that I've really enjoyed hearing come up is um, to be a treaty dynamic organisation mm. and I was like oh that's pretty awesome <laughs> and for this organisation they took on that particular header for themselves because they knew that te is a living document it was something that Um, they needed to embrace both at a personal level, but also at a practitioner and behavioural level also. For you and your work, have you seen some really good examples of organisations that have also become treaty aware, treaty
0: dynamic? Yeah. Oh, I'm privileged to sit on the board of Core Education and they are a Tiriti honouring organisation uh, led by the formidable Dr. Hannah O'Regan. And so it's been a joy to be a governor or director of that organisation and see them grow in terms of, well, what does it actually mean in practice? Mm. You know, um, that the vision is an equitable and thriving Aotearoa through education and learning, but how do we give it effect for that? So as a board member over the last two years, watching the organisation unpack how do we behave what does it mean what does it mean in terms of the questions we ask what does it mean in terms of how we support kura and kaiako what does it mean in terms of um, how we as governors govern to be governing a tiriti honoring organization so it raises questions and challenges for us constantly which I think is the point it's not so much about the destination it's about those awesome conversations that we're having and asking of each other the questions we're asking of each other as a Tiriti honouring organisation and the role of our Pacifica brothers and sisters within that the role of our refugee migrant communities what does that all mean for us as an organisation so um, it's hard to say you know again with my evaluation head on I, I couldn't hand on heart say we're doing that well but but we're having the conversations and it's something we're committed to at all levels of the organization driven by a dynamic leader um, who lives and breathes titiriti in in every aspect of her life so that is a joy and a delight to watch that unfold and somehow contribute to that um and again it's it's not we don't have the answer. I don't think there's one answer. Every organisation needs to work that that out for themselves around what does it mean to be Tiriti honouring Tiriti dynamic, um, with great leadership support from your governance, and people who have good intent.
1: My last question for you today, is what do you see as the future of te Tiriti in 2022 and beyond?
0: Oh, <gasps> well i mean we're blessed as maori to always be thinking intergenerationally so again i think it's if i can do my small bit to influence and and shift the conversation um, and support the conversation so that we are moving towards an equitable and thriving aotearoa that we are um looking at the equitable equitable access to resource to power and control. Um, you know, as we are seeing with the establishment of the Mori Health Authority, just one example of that, you know, I want to be seeing more of that. What does it mean to devolve to to really fully and truly devolve resource, power and control to Mori? So I see that as becoming um a really hot topic and thing over the next decade, I'd say. And in any way that I can contribute to supporting that Ko papa and um, towards devolution, mana motuhaki, whatever you want to call it, then then that's something I'd really, I'm really passionate about. Um, but in terms of my mokopuna you know, what I see and what my vision is, we have a real speaking aotearoa healthy people, healthy whenua, healthy moana, Um, that that is the full expression of te tiriti, is is where our people are flourishing, our language is flourishing, our awa, our maunga, our ngahire are flourishing. That's the dream, you know, that's the vision for me. So any way I can help through evaluation to get us there, is something I'm really committed to and passionate about
1: It's amazing now if know want to uh, connect with you and uh, pick up on on your amazing evaluation skills how what's the best way that they can get in contact with you
0: uh, LinkedIn um, I call or Chelsea group out on LinkedIn or you know Facebook Instagram whatever um, I'm pretty accessible <laughs> yeah accessible um, not too accessible yeah <laughs> um, but again you know I'm, I'm still on a journey and still learning um in growing in this space in in inspired and influenced by so many you've been listening to a podcast by community research working together to raise the manner of community research across aotearoa
1: new zealand